Welcome to the podcast, Professor Latinx. And we are going to jump in here um, and talk about Spider-Man, Miles Morales, Spider-Man into the um, Spider-Verse. Whatever comes to mind, it could be even outside of this space, um, really kind of looking at, I think, the, you know, how in a way that this animation film is pretty groundbreaking, right? Groundbreaking. But um, we have Darius and Mary and Brooke for Professor um, Latinx podcast today. And we're going to talk a lot about, I don't know, Miles Morales and Spider-Man. So, yeah, out of the gate, you know, this was, this was huge, right? Um, Into the Spider-Verse. Uh, made for what ninety million, which by gosh, I mean, imagine like the money, right, that went into this. But then it made like insane amounts of money, like over a billion bucks, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so clearly, you know, working, touching the hearts of audiences, um, working on so many levels, aesthetic, but also just representation, right? Mm-hmm. Representation, mm-hmm. finally having. Um, Afro Latinx in front of the camera, right? right? So yeah, let's jump in here. I don't know who wants to launch us, but we can. Let's just get at this notion of representation and animation. Maybe Darius, why don't yeah. you launch us? Given that you've just written a book on yes. this subject, yeah, sure. Um, so yeah, uh, Into the Spider Verse got the Academy Award. I don't know if you guys knew that. Um, so that really kind of opens up doors for more kinds of films like this, right? With this kind of minority representation kind of that affirmation that we belong in front of the screen and um, if the filmmaker knows their will to style and they give proper representation they do their homework they understand African Americans and Latinx peoples and they give us that proper representation and they do it right um, then you can see the rewards kind of come from that right a lot of people went to see this movie got a lot of rewards um, like the academies and Golden Globes and all that stuff um, so yeah it really kind of set the bar really high for like future films to kind of do the same thing um, and like I said in terms of Miles Morales like I didn't really quite uh, know who he was before seeing the film right because I wasn't big on reading comics um, I didn't know his backstory or anything like that um, so I really didn't discover him until I saw the film itself and they really did a good job of portraying him really well and kind of giving audiences a good portrait of who he is as a superhero and why he's kind of unique, right? This kind of person of color and coming of age, right? And um, I'm sure we'll get more into that later, but I'll give you guys a chance to say something. Too. Yeah, Um well, as you know, Spider-Man has been redone so many times, but mm-hmm. every time they redo it, it's still a white male that plays the main character. Mm-hmm. And it just like there's no point to like keep remaking it if you're just going to keep doing it the same way, but like with Miles Morales, we get like a whole new storyline and a whole new world where we have we get like thrown into his um world and can learn about like his culture and his background and those groups get the representation they've been looking for and then those that don't necessarily represent um or like yeah represent with him um can learn about it so i think they did a really good job about bringing um his culture and background to life in the movie and in the comic i also thought it was really nice because they brought in um sort of 
they took away the stereotypes of typical families of people of color and Latinxes where they have this higher class family where the dad is a police chief, the mom is a head nurse, and it's kind of refreshing that this family isn't portrayed in a negative way, like compared to a lot of stereotypes that we've kind of come across in the class. And so I think that's also really groundbreaking to show that like not every single person of color is a villain. They're not always lower class. Like they they can succeed in life. And I think that's really important for audiences to see as well. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Um, you know, father son relationships for POC in front of the camera are usually deadbeat dad or absentee dad, right? Um, Always a problem. And here, finally, we got this really positive relationship between, right, the dad and the son. It's awesome, right? Mm -hmm. It's Uh, kind of the heart of the film, right? Because that's what gives Miles Morales, like, the confidence, right? His dad wants him to succeed and to find his passion and... um, even if it's like being a superhero, right? I mm-hmm. think he never even tells his dad until the. I think his dad figures it out by the end, like that he's kind of a superhero. I mm-hmm. don't know if they kind of um, revealed it directly, but like, like that that uh, dynamic between him and his father is like the kind of heart of the movie, and mm-hmm. that's like the emotional core, right? Where audiences can really connect with them and say, you know, there's something very, um, very poignant about him and his father. Um, and even his mother, right? She's like the Puerto Rican, uh, and she kind of speaks Spanish a little bit. Um, and so that kind of adds a little bit of complexity there, right? This kind of biracial and bilingual kind of family dynamic there. Um, and so that makes it very interesting, right? Seeing them have their interactions together. And, um, yeah, and yeah, I think you're, I think you guys are hitting on something really important too, which is that, the film does its homework to kind of organically grow these characters together. And you don't feel dirty after watching it. Like, oh, this is just kind of corporate filmmaking or cor- a corporation, Sony, looking to make a buck by getting Latinx and African-American audiences into the seats. It's really like good storytelling, like you guys were saying. Um, and yeah, I think too... Um, you know, Mary, like you said, in in lots of ways, and Brooke too. Um, you know, this is just regular folks, right? Regular folks and kind of getting along. And the mama is like a nurse tech, right? Um, and like you were saying, Darius, right? She just kind of Spanish just happens, but there's no mm-hmm. like, oh, this is the Spanish moment, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I want to. While we're on the topic of the mom, what do you guys think about the gender? Uh, representation in 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 um, into the Spider Verse, Mary. Maybe you want to. Um, I'm thinking think, Doc Ock and you know uh-huh. Penny Parker. Um, I think they really do add a lot of um, representation for like the female superhero and kind of like and showing like Miles's mother. Like she's not like she's the general like nurse. Um, she's helping out the family. Like. They give her like an important role in the movie, and especially like with Penny Parker and with Gwen Stacy, like they're also shown as superheroes in different dimensions, um, and they also play like important roles in um, bringing out the storyline and bringing it to life. I think it's also nice that these characters are at the forefront of the film as well, where they're not just these random background characters. Mm-hmm. Where it's like we'll mention them if we need to. Yeah. But they're not a main priority. Like having like female Spider-Man and kind of going through that is really cool. And then you also have the mom where it's 
they're showing that she's kind of like a superhero in her own way because I think Miles is in the comic like the total badass of the house is mom mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think that like that's really true and I feel like people don't always see like mothers as superheroes but I think the comic kind of brings that in because that's Miles perception of his mother yeah that's great yeah I love that those comments um especially like we look at to our family members and especially women of color who've um overcome every day almost superhuman kinds of obstacles right Mm -hmm. yeah and Mm -hmm. kind of recognizing them as superheroes Mm -hmm. we're kind of living in a moment too like in terms of comic book filmmaking we're seeing a lot more women coming to the foreground Mm -hmm. um like there was a captain marvel i think that just came out Mm um and i think there's going to be a Thor movie coming out soon with like Mm -hmm. Natalie Portman or something as like the main character. So we're starting to see the um, kind of gender representation changing in films. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's very important, um, not just in terms of race, but gender and all kinds of like different backgrounds that you may have. Like we need to start seeing other people than just the white male that we've seen for decades and it's kind of getting very tiring you know mm-hmm. yeah. yeah so in fact you know um some of you guys have read the comic book too um i don't know um, how much we want to go into that sort of space but again um getting it right getting kind of a diverse representation but also doing this in an organic way is so so important we're seeing we just you know um watched and talked about wonder woman you talked you mentioned captain marvel um but we're still not seeing enough it's happening but like the revolution we're still waiting for it Mm -hmm. i think right um i was kind of like yay this movie is like killing it and it's getting all these awards but we haven't seen much else going on, mm-hmm. um, at least in the mainstream spaces, like the big feature, um, like cinema spaces. Netflix is doing some interesting stuff, right, mm-hmm. with Seis Manos um, mm-hmm. and some other things. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, while we're on the topic, let's let's keep pushing a little bit on on uh, the gender stuff here and um, and representation in general. Voices, mm-hmm. voices, mm-hmm. right? We're so used to animation having. Um, honestly, white folks mm-hmm. playing, mm-hmm. you know, brown face or brown voice. Mm-hmm. And here it's, you know, we kind of do something different, right? Yeah. Um, refreshing, I think. I don't know. Did you, any of you want to talk about that part of it? Um, you know, um, that we, yeah. Yeah, I'll add to it. Um, yeah, so actually giving <laughs> um, African-American actors the opportunity to voice african-american characters right like um not just looking for a-list white actors right that people assume you know are going to get audiences in the theater just because they know who that person is um trying to actually look for that kind of connection between the character and the actor um to do the voices um because i know there's a lot of talent in terms of african-american voice actors men and women um so i think the industry really needs to work harder to give that proper behind the scenes participation on the part of right the african-american artists and uh, creative people right um yeah, um, and as far as like even uh, Latinx uh, actors, right, giving them the opportunity to voice characters who reflect their racial and ethnic background. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So, yeah, that should be at the priority, right, when they're doing these films and they know people of color are the main leads, right? So actually giving the actors the chance to voice those characters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, Giving, like, the representation to, like, Mm -hmm. um, actors that are Latinx or African-American or any race or ethnicity. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, is really important, especially in staying true to like the character they're trying to portray and depict in the movie or the comic. Um, and it also helps bring like those actors that are less known and just not as famous as like, some of the white actors. Um, a lot of like famous or celebrity status where they can like get into different stuff, but like also just keeping it true to like the character in the film is really important. I think it's also the sense that studios are making the conscious decision to cast white actors when it comes to portraying people of color. But if they really just expanded like how they do their casting, they can find somebody. So it's the fact that they're purposefully like excluding people of color, Latinx people in in a like a major film too, where they might like I don't know. For me, like when it comes to an animation film, I always look at the content of the film. I don't look at oh, this person's voicing this, it's going to be really good. I'm like, if it's got a good storyline, if I think it's going to be good, I go see it. It's not because like, oh, I really like this actor, I'm going to go see it. Which, I don't know, that's a personal preference, but I think studios are making this conscious decision not to cast people that represent the characters that they're making. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just to bring in a point to that, um, like when you're watching the movies, like animation and stuff, like... <laughs> I don't necessarily think about who the actor is until mm-hmm. I actually go and like look at the credits at the end like to see who was the voice and then I say okay did they actually find someone with proper like someone that reflects the race or the ethnicity of the character um that's kind of where you can start being just critical and saying okay I'm going to enjoy the film for what it is but at the end of the day you know you still kind of want to be asking questions and being critical like is, are they really trying to honor Latinx uh, peoples or African-American people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just from a critical perspective. Like, we can still enjoy these films just for being entertaining. and But sometimes, you know, as audiences, we can be smart and say, okay, are they really doing their homework, as Dr. Aldama is saying? Like, mm-hmm. are they going to find people to do these roles behind the scenes and, you know, voicing, animation, producing, writing. Like, there's so much talent out there from people of color, and um, we just need to start seeing more of that in Mm -hmm. films and stuff. Yeah, because I think even, Dr. Aldama, you mentioned um, the fact that, you know, Latinx people only represent 2% or less than 3%, something like that, Mm -hmm. of the media, and yet they represent 18% of the population. So it's like there's this kind of disconnect, right? You need to see more um, contributions of Latinx people behind the scenes because they're an increasingly uh, larger part of the population itself, right? Um, I think they're the majority minority, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, you can't really ignore the fact that people of color are there and they need those opportunities, but it's just up to the studios to... um, make the decision to give them the voice Mm -hmm. that they need in the mainstream. Yeah. So pushing back at actual, like the producers who usually work from fear um, because they want to make sure they get their money back. Mm -hmm. 
And so they tend to go with business as usual. Oh, let's do Robin Williams as the Latinx penguin in Happy Feet 2, even though, right, Robin Williams, like, you know, come on, right? Mm -hmm. We have plenty of (laughs) folks who could have done that that are Latinx. And then when he does do it, you know, it's Robin Williams doing exaggerated, exaggerated, right? Kind of brown voicing. Um, and Speedy Gonzalez, and we have a long history of this stuff. So when um, Luna Velez is voice um, cast as the voice for you know Rio Morales, the the mom, we're like jumping up and down, right? Um, not just because you know someone's getting a paycheck there that's Latinx, but also because there's a you know there is a certain kind of authenticity that audiences are more willing to say yeah this actually i don't even really think about this as an exaggeration i don't think of this as someone putting on a latinx kind of accent this just is the kind of the way we are the way we speak um yeah or even uh uh shamik moore right as the voice of miles like can you imagine casting someone who didn't have that kind of youthful, young, kind of African-American sort of, you know, um, cadence in the voice, right? Yeah. Um, it would be, we would have all left the movies. Mm-hmm. We would have left yeah. the cinema, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, I want to p- ask you guys, what do we make of the glitch in Into the Spider-Verse? Like, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for me, that was a really kind of powerful moment um, for different reasons, but also kind of relating to how, well, we do get a white Spider-Man. We get Peter Parker. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not Peter Parker business as usual, mm-hmm. right? So what, what do you guys think about this stuff? Any of, any of the above? Brooke? I thought, like, for one thing, like, having the aspect of the glitch, the way they did it in the film I thought was really cool, where they, like, took the animation and kind of stopped it at times. But then also, like, bringing these characters, like, we have the white Peter Parker that audiences are used to but then you also bring in a female spider-man which is something that's very new and then you have oh god i can't think of what it was but then you have all these different versions and it's Mm -hmm. kind of penny parker yeah yeah and it's i thought it was really interesting because i was watching it and i'm like oh that's not something you ever think of but that's really cool to kind of have characters from different backgrounds different genders kind of come like together because they have one thing in common, and that's because they got bitten by a radioactive spider. And I thought that was cool and a different way to kind of introduce the dimensions as well and show that not everybody is the same in each dimension and there can be differences. Um, what I really like about Peter P- B. Barker is that he's not like business as usual. He is still a white Spider-Man, but he's overweight. He is sort of a failure in his everyday endeavors, especially with Mary Jane. Um, But it's just, it gives us like not the white savior that we're so used to in like comic book movies like Superman. And it's just nice to give like that we are not perfect and um, just adds like a different layer to like the Peter Parker we're so used to and definitely adding the different dimensions of like the pig and Penny and a female Spider-Man and the black and white Spider-Man it just adds Mm -hmm. like a lot of different um, definitions to what Spider-Man can be Mm -hmm. and what's kind of interesting is that you know this is an animated film like where's the live action Spider-Man like it's always as you said like the white male like Tobey Maguire um, Andrew Garfield and then Tom Holland I think is the most recent one 
Um, so there's still like this reluctance of doing something different in live action. Like what's the, what's the reason for not doing what's being done in animation? Like, are they more comfortable having cartoony representations on the screen or like, why can't you find an actual person of color to be in the suit? Right. Um, even like in the MCU, I don't know how many more films they have down the road, but I'm sure Tom Holland is going to be the same person for, mm-hmm. I don't know how many years. So um, it's just a matter of when are they going to actually make the move to do something in live action, what they're doing in another medium, right? So true. Uh, mm-hmm. I was so dis- like I was so happy that we had, um, you know, Ned mm-hmm. um, in the comic Genki Lee, um, you know, in the live action movie, but I was so disappointed mm-hmm. when we didn't have Miles. Yeah. Like yeah. I thought, you know, we that was you know what we we're gonna have, but instead, like you said, it's Tom Holland, mm-hmm. um, kind of business as usual. Mm-hmm. And it's also the sense of they can see films like Black Panther, where there is a success when you cast a person of color as a lead, and it's kind of like why wouldn't they want to portray that? Because like they know it can like succeed, and it can inspire audiences especially younger kids where it's like oh my gosh that's me on a screen it's somebody that looks like me which i feel like is really hard when it comes to african-american culture and to see them portrayed in a positive light too so it's it's kind of like they're also again making the conscious decision not to do this even though they know it can be successful and they know they can find people to do it Mm -hmm. yeah so it's okay in a live action with okay we're gonna cast our you know tom holland um, doesn't have a you know belly like we have with Peter Parker mm-hmm. in this in the Into the Spider Verse, um, and we can bring diversity, but it's safe diversity. We're going to bring the kind of sidekick. We'll keep the sidekick, and the sidekick's going to be Asian American, right? Um, but we don't dare to cast you know um, you know Donald Glover as like Miles or something, mm-hmm. right? Um, crazy, right? Like you said, even though something like Black Panther and all of these other examples are saying, no, in fact, people love it and that you're going to make your money back. So don't sweat it. Don't be, you know, um, acting from fear. Mm-hmm. It's if the filmmaker knows what they're doing. And if they give, I think, as you mentioned in your uh, Latinx <laughs> superheroes, their will to style, right? When they're making a film and they are careful about giving authenticity to a person's race or ethnicity and they know what they're doing in terms of being behind the camera and like doing well with uh, framing and different devices that kind of give shape to the narrative, right? If a filmmaker's skilled at that and they're masterful, then audiences will show up and, mm-hmm. you know, they will be entertained. And um, it's when they don't know what they're doing behind the camera is when it kind of falls flat, right? And when they don't do their homework and looking for people of color to um, do these roles and like trying to figure out what's the culture of these people that mm-hmm. we're portraying, like not just going, we're just going to put someone there because they're a person of color. But like, I think that was the controversy for Coco, right? For Pixar, like they originally didn't go to look at Latinx culture. They just wanted to start making the movie. Mm-hmm. And then after there was that backlash, right, then they said, okay, we're going to have to go to Mexico and look at what the culture is like. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Bring takes, some actual consultants mm-hmm. right. in to get it right. So it takes backlash for them to know mm-hmm. what they're doing. So, yeah. But it's also like in a big budget film like Coco, you would think that going into it that they would do their research mm-hmm. and they would 
try to at least get something right and not go into it being like, we're going to make it. And then like, oh, I guess this is wrong. We should probably fix it. Mm-hmm. Right. Because th- for me, it's like every – I feel like anytime you do something, the first step is always research. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the fact that a major studio like that is ignoring it is – it kind of just shows up how they don't care and it's poorly done and they're just worried about how much can we make back on the film. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As we sort of wind this down, I wonder if, um, you know, looking at other spaces for visual auditory storytelling like YouTube or um, Netflix spaces, right, platforms, streaming platforms, are we seeing... Uh, maybe a revolution happening there, even if we're not seeing it in the big, right, the big tent cinema stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for me, I'm thinking about shows like Raising Dion, um, animated movies like um, Seis Manos, mm-hmm. or it's a, it's an animated um, um, episodic story. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe there's some others that you guys are thinking about. I know CW has a bunch of like, you know, DC stuff happening. There seems to be some diversity going mm-hmm. on there. I don't know anything come to mind for you guys. Um, I know there was that show called Luke Cage on Netflix. I don't know if they canceled it or not, but um, that was a recent like superhero kind of TV show on Netflix that was kind of popular, if I remember correctly. Um, I guess it's the fact that you know in the mainstream like theatrical hollywood like studios aren't willing yet to make some of the uh chances to give people of color the chance to be on the screen right as main characters um and yet on netflix like there's less of a risk like they're starting to give you know african americans latinx people the chance to be in more starring roles um but in like mainstream hollywood like where there's like the budget returns that they're looking at, right? And they're afraid that people won't go see a movie if it's, you know, an African-American main character or a Latinx main character. Um, That's why they're still, like, trying to stay with the norms, right, of having white males in the uh, main spotlight, right? So that might be the distinction between, like, streaming stuff and then, like, mainstream theatrical Hollywood but that's just my speculation there. Um, no show really comes to mind. Um, I have heard about like Euphoria with Zendaya, and I know like her face is becoming like a big, um, a big one in film recently. Um, and especially with like Netflix, um, they're coming out with like a lot of like original series where they have a lot of leeway um, with what they can do with it. So I think that helps a lot with them being able to. Um, do their homework and bring representation into film and TV shows mm. like Raising Dion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, bringing bringing more stories from different backgrounds, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we all benefit, don't we? All benefit. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah Brooke, what do you um, think comes to mind? It's mostly I've been noticing like they are given a little bit more leeway when it comes to Netflix originals, and it's kind of refreshing. But at the same time, I feel like. They're still kind of falling into stereotypical aspects where they're afraid to kind of bring up topics because they're afraid of backlash. I've recently gotten into One Day at a Time, the new one, and it's like watching it because I kind of saw like a couple of the old ones before. But watching it, it's kind of they bring it in where it's it's this Cuban family. And but they're also bringing in issues of sexuality, race, um, racial discrimination a lot of the time. And it's kind of like how. The grandma wants to stay true to her culture, but the kids are trying to like come into a normal. And I think that's refreshing because they're bringing in real world problems, which I feel like you wouldn't see on mainstream media. 
Yeah, that's great. I'm glad you brought up um, One Day at a Time because, of course, what's so refreshing, like you said, is that um, in a way the ideal audience isn't kind of white America. The ideal audience is Latinxes, and then we're inviting others to come and kind of join in and kind of um, see and feel and experience. And by that, I mean, yeah, we're kind of airing our dirty laundry in ways that don't, um, at the same time, that are respectful, right? Um, we're showing how complex we are linguistically. Some of us are lighter skinned. Others aren't. There's like the white passing Latinx, right? Mm-hmm. And that kind of whole. And then, of course, you know, coming out to family, um, um, all of those things done in such a kind of natural way, right? Yeah. And I'm really glad you brought that up. Um, I, yeah, I do get a sense that somehow places like Netflix and YouTube um, do offer um, the, these spaces. Um, I'm, at, I'm worried that Disney Plus channel that's mm-hmm. just been released today mm-hmm. uh, might become this kind of mega glyph thing that, like, you know, swallows up all of these other little things. Mm-hmm. I heard that, you know, all of the Marvel content from Netflix is yeah. pulled. Oh. And because Disney wants to own it in their own streaming platform now, mm-hmm. um, I'm excited because it's going to. You know, possibly be a space for all these stories that I want to see, mm-hmm. but I'm also like really weary because oh god, Disney, Disney's taking over yeah. the planet. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, um, anyway, well, on that note, I want to thank my guest for today's uh, session. I'm Professor Latinx. Thank you, you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.